Pickaxe. Hello and Hello. welcome back oh, to thanks. the Triforce Podcast. Hello oh. and welcome back to the Triforce Podcast. Oh man, <laughs> that'll be that'll be the future. By the way, yes. you know, either when A we're robot, old robotized. men, <laughs> we get robots to do we'll, it. We'll have like robot assistants to speak for us. Yeah. Podcast or... bot, podcast bot, take over for me today. I'm feeling what? old. Yeah. I will fill for you. <laughs> I'm sure we've spoken about this before. Consulting data banks. Yep. We did. Uh, What do you think about baked beans on toast? It's going to be some terrible, (laughs) like, fucking, yeah, like, 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 crappy conversation topic. I I, I think it's fascinating that that machine learning. (laughs) Icebreakers.exe. Have you seen that new television show? The Apprentice. Uh, Oh, let's have a ketchup. No, let's not. Oh, that's Override. my kind of robot. Jeez. Yeah. Override. No, I, like I, I, uh, the, I the three bots have a different like <laughs> algorithm on them. Yeah, they don't want certain things. That does not fulfill my criteria for discussion. <laughs> they become like Daleks. Um, oh, I, I subscribe to a few of those machine learning bots on Twitter. The neural sort of image prediction and stuff like that. And The fuck? Uh, it, they're so far off. Like it's yeah. really, yeah. It's like the the computer's best guess is almost always just hilariously wrong. Uh, there's one account where it just gives like meme images to the bot, the image recognition bot, and it's like a turtle, and it's like a guy with a weird hat. You know, it just it just can't <laughs> tell. It's just not there yet. But uh, yeah. it's all time. It'll just take time. But well, yeah, lads, we'll I did it. something cool. I went to a gig yesterday, my first gig. In hey, I saw years. the I saw the picture that you posted on Twitter, and it looked fantastic. Holy crap! Like, yeah, um, I mean, the, the last round, gig I the... went to did not look like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Roundhouse is a great venue. Um, it, it really is. It's like it is like a big circular uh, yeah, arena looks, with looks the stage awesome. in the middle. Yeah, um, we were in the seats. It was Bobby Flex's first gig. Um, we're both. It was everything. Everything is the band. We're both big fans of the band, and they were superb. They were absolutely superb. Nice. Um, but you know what's funny? You know when bands do an encore, mm-hmm. and I think traditionally the encore, the idea of it is they say thank you and good night, God bless everybody, have a safe travels home, and you know make sure that you haven't left anything in the arena and all that kind of stuff. And you yeah. Think, Oof. And then they go, and you think they ain't coming back. But the moment they're off the stage, the sound technicians are back. And they're like tweaking the bass and the guitar and getting everything ready. And I'm like, so they know they're coming back out. My daughter was like, so are they coming back out? I said, yes. And from where we were sat, you could see around the back of the stage. So we see them leave the stage, go into the backstage area, have a little drink of water, and they're having a yeah. chat there and stuff. Do a little, do a little bit of cocaine. Right. And, I know. assume go to the toilet. Yeah. But it's like, wh- why call it an encore? Yeah. Like why? Why do we do this? And I was it's trying to explain break, it right? to her. It's, it's yeah, it's weird. Break. It's weird. But I mean, they could have just said, "Right, we'll be back in a minute." <laughs> we all know they're coming back. Man, you could have. So it, just think, like, if you could go in a time machine, you could you could have gone back in time. Okay, like I know that sounds crazy, but okay, you go back in time with your right? daughter to the '90s, and you go to a Nirvana show. Man, they used to just smash up all their shit at the end of that 45 minute set. No right. encores. Like yeah, they weren't coming that's how back. You know. They were just like, we cannot come back. We are not and cannot come back. I've trashed my guitar. 
it doesn't work anymore. The drum right. kit has holes in it. Like, you know, we're done. We're out. Yeah. I, what are the other ways that you could announce that you're done in such a kind of like serious way? I guess you could like take a shit on the stage. Like, I mean, there's like this weird shit you could do that like ruins it. There know? is. Yeah. I mean, generally you like... what you see is if there is genuinely no encore, which happens a bunch. Yeah. They play all their music, the house lights come up and everybody starts packing up and you go, okay, they're done. Oh my God. When the house mm. lights come up, everybody just... Oh, looks like shit don't that's they? right it's like it's mm. like when you're out clubbing and uh you know it's all dark and they got the smoke machine and the lasers and stuff uh, last time i went clubbing was like in the 90s but right um i'm sure I, it's the same i'm sure it's kind of the same still but you know like 2 2 a.m rolls around and it's like all right everybody time to go home the lights come up and you're just like oh my god i've actually spent an entire evening with lepers like it just looks <laughs> everybody <laughs> looks like fucking shit they're all yeah. sweaty right. makeup is all fucking smeared everywhere from all the sweating it's, it's, it like is exactly like one of those like sci-fi shows where someone lives in this beautiful house and then like they realize that it's all like in it's their head. Prison. They're actually just living in like a concrete basement. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it's just man. like sh shit. It's all like, or it's all being artificially like projected yeah. around or onto their retina or whatever. So they see this weird um, thing. <laughs> yes, this like is that. machine learning. So by the way, um, I know you're a big fan of Stanley Parable Sips. Yeah. Um, I've been following it a bit over the last couple of years and they're doing the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Right. Right, which is basically Stanley Parable 2. It's kind of got, Basically, but the thing is, it's not really two because it's in the same place. Right. Basically, it's got it's got more script than the entire first game, and the whole point of the Stanley Parable is to kind of surprise you and like be a bit like weird yeah. and throw you off. And so they've been making these um, like little articles, like talking and joking and writing about it, and they're they're, they're so funny. But they've done this little one about using machine learning because it's all a rage. Everyone's every, the thing is, Stanley Parable is quite. It's got its finger on the pulse of what is circle yeah. jerky, right? In a yeah. sense. So like this this idea of machine learning and algorithmic automation and stuff is is like it, it's everyone's taking advantage of it and and like, oh, I use machine learning to do an ice cream really badly. You know, or <laughs> you know, there, there's yeah. it's just really it's the whole thing. So yeah, they've done a few like little um little little scripts that they've rewritten. Do, do you wanna read do you, do you wanna read any? Love um, to. Yeah, go. Okay. So I'll, I'll post you gotta it. You got to do in it in Discord. the narrator's voice, though. Okay. Well, you can do. You can. Well, who who can do it the best? Right. Here's you probably. Oh no, Flax probably can. Right. Flax, Is this in the Stanley Parable voice? Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Hold yes. on. Hold on. Let me just. Uh... Stanley's office building is not where it is. Yeah. You got to right, do it. Okay. Like... So he goes. Okay. So is this? Um... So read the one from the original game. All of Stanley's co-workers were becoming Stanley. Stanley did not know how to do this, so he tried. He could not. This made him sad. Stanley <laughs> yes. returns to his office eating ice cream. He is not happy. Stanley soon discovered that the office was in his own mind. The ice cream was in his own mind. The co-workers were in his own mind. Stanley was in his own mind. This made him sad. Stanley thought himself out of thinking and then became everyone. Nobody works in the office anymore. <laughs> Stanley finishes eating his ice cream. Yeah. So that's oh, the original. Man. So no, that's the machine learning AI one. Yeah. Um, so wait, wait, wait. So a machine learning AI came up with that. Well, no, I think it's a joke though. I think that's that's written by the the guy, the Davey Reardon, who 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 wrote this. He's writing the Stanley Parable. I, do you know what I mean? I think he. I get the impression this is like a kind of um, slightly satirical look at it. So yeah, he's he's written this whole article. You can find it if you look for Stanley Parable. So this is the, this is another one. 
Stanley could so do yes. anything, and he knew it. He could conquer space. He could swallow Germany. Nothing was impossible. The day would be his. <laughs> Stanley exits his office with confidence. Stanley left his offices and perambulated through space and time until he arrived at a set of two open doors. Weird Gary appears. Hello! That's Weird Gary. <laughs> Stanley and Weird Gary became close friends over the course of many years. They died as they lived, side by side, facing the world together. That's so strange. It's weird, isn't it? Man, on the, so, uh, on the subject of uh, Stanley Parable, I've been watching that uh, show Severance, which, oh. man, does have some Stanley Parable uh, yeah. vibes to it for sure, right? Like the whole, oh, man. Everybody, everybody being fucking weirdly cut off at work and uh, just the, the just all the... The, the the sequences where they're at work are are all insane though right but like it 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 makes it it makes me think about all of the times i've been at work and you you kind of think like yeah okay i wasn't severed to go to work but sometimes i felt like i was you know what i mean like right. it, it it's it's this other world and it's so fucking weird sometimes isn't it like if you actually stop to think about it it's a it's the a great things show that are important it's, to you at work yeah are who cares like as soon as you're out of work you really switch into a, a different person and i mean if you ever if you've worked some for a while and you've only ever seen those people at work yeah. when you go out like for a party or you go out with some people from work and stuff they're, and they're completely different you realize how i think in a way we all sever ourselves from from office yeah. work and jobs yeah. and stuff you kind of do deep, have a, even have a to. different personality at work sometimes right. you're just not yourself mostly you're more guarded right yeah, I mean, you are thing, yeah of yeah. course but you also are ultra socially well most people are ultra socially aware right you you, right. you kind of have to be some people are just completely unfiltered and you wonder <laughs> how the fuck are they <laughs> still here or, That's yeah exactly but uh <laughs> i mean it's uh it's it, it, it there's there's lots of yeah, if you think about it, there's just lots of funny sort of um, things that you can relate back to the to the real world where it's not yeah. so extreme, but there's still lots of that, right? Like, like the work that they're doing is just so fucking weird and seems so useless. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of jobs out there like that too, right? Where you just you Absolutely. go in and you're you're just pushing around paper or whatever, and <laughs> there's no point to it. It's true. Yeah, I think um, the, the the really interesting thing to me is, uh, and I'm I'm gonna try not to do any spoilers here for Severance. This is just a, more of an overall concept. I'm sure if you haven't watched it by now, you maybe read an article about it or something, explaining that basically everybody that works in the severed offices of this place, Lumen, uh, has had a voluntary operation on their brain that has an yeah. implant that when they pass through a certain part of the office, like a field. It yeah. switches their memory so that they cannot remember anything outside of work. They don't know what they do. They don't know if they're married, who their friends are. They know nothing. Yeah. And equally, when they leave work, they remember nothing about what happened. No. So as the the innie and the outie, the outie is the regular person who lives on the outside, and the innie is the person that exists in the office. Obviously, you're the same person, but you don't know each other. No, at all. and you There's refer no to your to communicate. you refer to your innie like when you're not so much. I, I, it's more it's more the innies that refer to the outies, right? Right. Like the yeah, outies yeah. don't really think about the innies that much, like because the the choice for them to um, be severed comes from their outside yeah, brain. Yeah. 
right? So they they the, know the, what the they, innies are always wondering. What yeah, am I like? But the, the what innies, do I do? The innies are the ones that are like like a loose thread, right? They're like, what the hell? I have no. Yeah. I don't even remember my name. Like this, the, what you're calling me might not even be my name. They just they're aware that they're somewhere weird that they can't really escape from because the minute they leave the floor of the office that they're working at. Um, that their sort of work brain shuts off and then yeah. their personal brain kicks in. So for them, the, their next um, their next like bit of reality like might be the last thing that they see is the door closed to the elevator for them right, leaving right. for the day. And then the next thing they know, the door is just opening again immediately. And they're leaving. Mm. Yeah. And, and, they're, and they're coming back to work. And they have no concept that they've had any time off any rest any sleep nothing so they don't know what their outside persona could be doing like yeah. they could just be doing hard drugs all night long not sleeping right. and then you're you're just at work the next day thinking holy crap i feel like shit what the hell is going on out there you know like it's just yeah, yeah. and vice versa too because sometimes it's, it's, like they can get injured at work and then they'll they'll leave and they'll have a note that says like oh you know you, you, you banged into a cupboard or yeah, something. yeah yeah it's yeah. man it's, it's such it's a fascinating it's such a good concept for a show it is, and, and it but works. it asks you it asks loads of questions I think yeah. the, the biggest one is is your any cannot quit work unless your outy agrees yeah so there's no way to communicate that your outy would need to say I want to quit. And your innie would then also need to say it. So you would need to coordinate. It's like a, almost like one of those prisoner's dilemma things. Yeah. You need to coordinate with the other person. Uh, and sometimes that, you know, that that's not gonna happen. Yeah. But and you gotta remember you... that the Audi put you there for a reason because right. the Audi needs that eight hours a day of cutoff or or but whatever. They might you also know? just be unbelievably fucking lazy. Like yes. it, it's very appealing to say, I know I need to work but I really hate it. So yeah. what I'll do is I'll just turn up to work and whatever happens in there, as far as I'm concerned, for the rest of my life, I've never worked a day. Yeah. I just lose some hours. Yeah. I turn up at work and instantly I'm leaving work. Yes. And I still get paid and I'm still doing my job and I might get promoted or whatever. So from the Alti's perspective, this is the best job ever because it doesn't matter how dull it is, mm -hmm. but you're essentially creating a slave version of yourself who was yeah. forced mm. to toil in this place and might be the most miserable person and hate their job and desperate to quit. And you have perpetuated that. So it asks you some really, really fucking deep it's questions. It's so interesting, it really. Is, yeah. It's like it it, it's, it starts what starts off as quite a simple, like kind of almost like a metaphor of all oh, the have a why don't you just divide your work life balance, you know? Everyone should have, you know, right. make sure you turn yeah, off when this you go is home, like the extreme kind of version, thing, yeah, of that. Right. But then it kind of very quickly becomes like you what happens when you because it, it's almost like some sort of animosity. Like you might start hating your other self. Yeah. Um, which is kind of another metaphor for, you know, those of you out there who struggle to, you know, just love yourself um, if you can. I love myself as uh, often as I can. Well, I know. That's why my eyesight often. is so poor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, but yeah, a really, really interesting show with like a lot of, lot of big questions too yeah. about like, and well presented too. The the just the sort of oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's just just really nicely shot. Like just really well acted. Like it's just it's a, it's a really great show. I love these like moral and ethical questions. Yeah. You know about like I feel like there's this thing around um, dead dead people that like, you you can't speak ill of the dead, but some of them were cunts. You know, and also like <laughs> yeah, no, you're some right. of them I didn't like anyway at the time. There is this idea though that. 
they can't fight back, right? The dead, they can't defend themselves. And so in a no. sense, like people often take advantage of that. I mean, it's happened throughout history, you know, in terms of historians and kings and, and or, or people rewriting history to suit them, you know, p- depicting the last king as bad or immoral or whatever in order to suit their own, or prop up their own empire or life and, and vice versa too, like depicting somebody who was terribly immoral as perfect, you know, mm. and, and unfailing. And even today we see that with with people having these reimagined histories, certainly in terms of people like Mao and some of these people who were not, Are I'm sure, reinventing people. Mao. Yeah, Chairman Mao. Are you people know. actually doing that? Like, I well, think we I need mean, to look at he... him again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it yes. just, I, I think I could imagine someone who's like, you know, the dead can't defend themselves, as you said. Someone screaming, debate me at a dead guy is, is pretty, pretty internet, I think. I want it to is debate Mao. Much... Debate me. Why is he running away? Just fuck. He's dead. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Mao hasn't posted how he feels about, you know, he hasn't um, updated his Facebook in, Ukraine, in some yeah. time. He does So have... maybe he's a maybe he's for the war in Ukraine. Yeah. He might Who be. knows? He's not saying. He's, he's not, not saying. Speaking so. of uh history, it's the anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. Holy uh, crap. Is it? Yeah. Hundred tra- years. Tragedy. A hundred years. You know, um I was I saw a bit on the news, I think, recently, and um they are completely and utterly 3D mapping years, the sorry. shit out of this thing. Um, out of the, the, the Titanic. Uh like the yeah, what like the well the, the wreckage of the Titanic Titanic because it's been under there so long, um everything is just rapidly now disintegrating like they will just they will just lose the wreckage and uh it's so hard to get down there and properly explore it and stuff so they think that if they can do a lot of imaging on it um they can sort of recreate fully in like you know 3d probably like explorable vr or something like that Um, but we know what they because there were two more built because there was obviously Olympic and the Britannic. Britannic sank into World War Two when it got hit by a naval mine, didn't it? And then Olympic carried on for a long, long time. I think all the way up until uh, around the war, mm-hmm. Second World War, when I think it was scrapped eventually. I can't remember what it's what. It obviously had a fairly sad end, as most ships do. Yeah. You know, there's quite a lot of steel there, and it's usually in large plates, and it's usually quite good to yeah. recycle that. I mean, those other, other ships that you just mentioned did not have a movie made after them, so that's yeah, why... I, I didn't know anything about them. Uh, that's, so. I think that's why probably people aren't as interested in preserving those wreckages, you know? But um, Yeah, but- it's quite it's quite a sort of interesting story, because they, they were obviously... Most ships aren't made in a vacuum. They, they're made as you know, in multiples, you know, as yeah. a class. And so, yeah, it did have other ships that were going before it and after it. I think Titanic was just slightly larger. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you want to hear so a little bit about this, the, this... the RMS Olympic? Go on yeah. then, read it off the Wikipedia. It, it was a British ocean liner and the lead ship of the White Star Line's trio of Olympic-class liners. Unlike the other ships in the... Uh, there's one phrase here I really like. I, I hope you like it too. <laughs> okay. Unlike the other ships in the class, Olympic had a career spanning 24 years, from 1911 to 1935. This included service as a troop ship during the First World War, which gained her the nickname Old Reliable. She returned to nice. civilian service after the war and served successfully as an ocean liner throughout the 1920s, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but uh, the Great Depression made her operation increasingly unprofitable, so they, they had to scrap it. Listen to this. Olympic was the largest ocean liner in the world for two periods during 1910 to 1913, interrupted only by the brief tenure of the slightly larger Titanic. The brief 
tenure on the Titanic <laughs> is one way to put it. It that was I think brief. really yeah. nice. A brief, the brief tenure of the Titanic. Uh, yeah. And then it sank and a bunch of people died. So it's kind of sad to just put it as the brief tenure of the slightly larger Titanic. Man, it's oh a man. really delicate way of putting it. Yeah. But yeah, it was. Um, but she, she was obviously like a, a, the looked the same, was the same, had almost the same layer. I think, it, although I think Titanic had a few different things. They, I think Titanic had like they'd remodeled some stairways inside, and they put that grand stairwell in that you see in the movie. That was quite an iconic bit that was added. Do you think Titanic that they, the, the other ship had uh, a guy named Jake on it who drew his French ladies, like in, uh, or maybe they were like German ladies instead, just like slightly different, you know, just like some some slight it's differences. All, it's all just like they just missed an iceberg. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, one, it's yeah. like the Seinfeld episode where they have like the the other <laughs> the group, other friend. yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, other yeah. friends that are all kind of the same, but like. Like there's little differences it's like that well, they i think had, so there was a lavish grand staircase um with three lifts a georgian style smoking room a veranda cafe with palm trees oh. swimming pool turkish baths gymnasium and several different places for meals and entertainment man that was pretty interesting Lux luxury was was really the, the focus of these ships as well it was a way for it was like the concord of the the day, you know, to, to for upper class folks to travel slowly back and forth between America and I feel like um, I feel like nowadays people just buy their own boats, right? Like if you're looking for if you're rich and you're looking for luxury, like you're not really gonna go on a cruise liner, are you? Like you're just gonna get mm. you're gonna get your own yacht or you're gonna borrow your friend's yacht or something like that, right? Like if you're friends with Jay-Z or like that, the guy from Microsoft or whatever, and you, you can just borrow their super yacht or use it for the weekend or... I wonder if that happened back in the day, you know, did these mega rich men, you know, these oil oil barons and the, the Rothschilds and these sort of people, did they have their own private, like, ships that they, just, with private pilots and they drove them across, like, I don't know. Sail them across I, for them? Like, maybe? I, I would assume so, yeah. But um, yeah, it must be. Yeah, it's just it, it wasn't it wasn't quick, was it? Like traveling like that? No, though, I'm sure. No, I mean, I guess like it's a little bit different for like flying um, because you're you have to be very rich, I suppose, to own like a a plane. But um, back then, maybe and back then, probably especially, I'd say. But I think they'd be more scared of the dangers of flying. Though it was it was certainly a not not until. You know, like this thing at this time period is when that started happening, wasn't it? When you know there was um, people flying around campaigning for president. Remember, there was that guy who was quite famously, um, I can't remember his name. A really interesting story, though. Oh, good. What happened I'll remember to him? it later. He died in a plane crash. No, I just don't think he. Just, I don't think he won. He just. He just he, didn't he, win. He, <laughs> no, just wasn't, just Fuck wasn't, you wasn't and enough. your planes. No vote. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, so uh, here's something I was thinking about the other day. Speaking of uh, Severance, I, I think Severance's credit sequence, the, the intro, I should say, is really interesting. Yeah, it's really good, um, yeah. I skip it every time after watching it one time, but right. I did so like th it the first time. There's an article uh, about um, the uh, TV theme tune composers uh, yes. complaining about the skip intro button, right? So yeah. th Netflix has had that feature. This is on the Guardian website. Five years after the Netflix nuked title sequences, its infamous button is now pressed 136 million times a day. That's how many yeah. people skip. Well, uh, I mean, intros. there's certain intros though that I would not skip as much. For example, 
Like the Game of Thrones intro, I used to kind of watch. Yeah, I just thought it was fucking great, man. Like I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, it was a real belter. Yeah. Um, certain certain seasons of The Wire as well, I would never skip the intro. Like especially the first season. Like depending on, like some some of the renditions of that of the song were not as great as others. Yeah, yeah. The first season though is a classic. It just got you so pumped for the for the episode. But also a lot of them, it was like a little bit of the show, then it's sort of, you hear the music swell for the opening credits and a character looks shocked and you know what's coming in the episode. And it's like a bookend before the show moves to the next scene. Yeah. Um, so uh, this guy's saying uh, that skipping it, I'm very against it. TV theme music is incredibly important. It's almost a show's DNA, DNA identifier. It serves as an overture to bring you in and set the tone. Fair. If it's the first episode of a show, fair. Because sometimes you're giving us some hints about what's coming and setting a scene yeah. with the opening credits, not just the music, but also the opening credits. I don't need to see it every time. No. I'm not that forgetful. No. I can watch it once and be like, okay, I get some idea of what this show's going to be. And now if I'm if I'm on season three, I don't need to watch it. But remind me of the show's DNA identifier again, please. I'm a little confused. No, you don't need to watch it. I'm skipping that shit every time yeah. give me the show i yeah. wait a week for this give me the show mm. i sometimes um i skip the uh the the previously on as well if there's the, <laughs> the option because especially if, if very, as i get more forgetful I uh, yeah let, I, I don't I, mind I it if that. i'm watching an episode a week or whatever sometimes i'll watch it but if I'm watching back-to-back episodes... I find the previously odd serves as a good opportunity to quickly turn the light off or on or draw the curtains or, you know, do all the stuff because you've set the thing going. And, right. and then you realise that you've like, oh, shit, I've got, I've got to get a drink or I've got to get this thing. And so the previously on, all the title sequence serves as this kind of buffer. Um, you know, it's like before it's like, you're like, are you ready? Okay, yeah, we're all ready. Let's go. And then you're like, oh, shit, I've got to do this thing. And then, you know. Um, <laughs> you know what else no, it I, does? I, it's kind of a well, big spoiler for the episode, the previously, because they don't just oh, show you a summary of the previous I, yeah, episode. I, I agree. They quite often yeah. show you some scene from episode one. You're like, oh, so they're going to, that's what that guy is. I, I bet, I bet that he is the guy that took the suitcase uh, in episode one and now he's brought it back. And there's, he's the, the guy thing driving thing the great like, car. <gasps> Ooh, there's like moments that. like that, though. That I, the thing is, I haven't watched uh, all of Severance yet. I only watched the first episode. And there's a bit... Like, the thing is, this is my detective brain. I don't know whether this is relevant. The thing is, it could completely be relevant. But, but there's a bit where like, someone just casually mentions that you know, one of the characters has an allergy to certain a certain thing. Yeah. And I'm like, that'll come back. Well, Do yeah, you, know you get to that point with TV shows, <laughs> right? Because come there's... Back. There's very few shows that are going to mention something for no reason, right? Like, like yeah. if you're if you're really listening to like all the dialogue and stuff, somebody says something, you're like, "What's the point of even writing that in? Like, that's right. got to come back or mean something later, right?" Like, uh, like well, that's Chekhov's that gun, right? Yeah. Why, why even bother putting a putting a gun yeah. on stage if you're not going to shoot it, you know? But, 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 and and if it's not that, it's a red herring. But, but it does help to just enhance the the. The mood of or, or the feel of something with small details, you know, it's it's that's the that's the way to get authenticity in yeah. is to have little details that that you that are hard to fake or hard to make up or you wouldn't think of if you were just imagining it in your head and you didn't have real experience to draw on. You know, that's how you can tell that these people's or at least it's one of the ways that we look at trying to t- t- tell who's lying and tell who's telling the truth because of these these small. Little little things they know or, or or can draw upon. Well, listen, that, that give it 
real realisticness. One thing gone. that I do when I'm watching my favorite show, The Apprentice, is the um, mm -hmm. the intro sequence for that has it's like a like supercut like montage of clips of them doing tasks and stuff, right? But not just from the the week or previous weeks. It's from the whole thing. So sometimes you're watching that and you'll see them you know, two of them screaming on a roller coaster, but they haven't done the roller coaster task yet, right? That's not coming right. for another four weeks or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you'll see them doing that and and you'll be like, okay, hang on. Like, that's not that task. So you kind of know immediately that two people aren't getting fired today. Oh, that's true. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, you can yeah, kind yeah. of, just from watching it, like, week after week after week, you can kind of guess yeah, who's going to... you're starting to decipher the... Yeah, yeah, you're you, to can, you can figure out who... Because, like, I remember at one point, somebody fucked up really bad or something, and my wife is like, he's out for sure. I was like, no, he can't be. He's in the fucking roller coaster clip. And she's like, oh, shit, yeah, he must not be. And sure enough, he didn't go because he survived <laughs> to the roller coaster task. You know, there's a well, couple of little, oh, couple you know of little clips in there that you can... There's an, there's an even more extreme version of that which is the original Mission Impossible TV series. For anyone that hasn't seen it, it's a banger. It's very dated, but it is really, really good. Um, in the credit, the opening credits for the episode would show you hype moments from the episode you were about to watch. Right. So you would see like a little montage of what was coming. And it's, it's like a massive spoiler for the episode, but I guess back then they were like, we've got to keep people watching the TV, otherwise they're going to miss the adverts for Lucky Strikes. You know, so <laughs> they sort of tried to tease you into to the episode. But it always meant that you kind of knew how they were going to solve the problem they'd been presented with yeah. at the very start. It was kind of funny. Oh, you don't man. see that these days. No, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit weird nowadays, isn't it? There's, like, there's a lot of... Um, Man, there's so much reality TV. Like, I didn't realize just how much there is. And the problem is people can't get enough of it now um, from reality TV that's produced in their own country. And I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. They actually seek out reality TV from other countries as well. Like, it's just this insatiable appetite for reality TV. It's insane. Like, if you right. look on Netflix now, the, the category for reality TV... Holy crap, there's so many shows and it's all yeah. like The Bachelor, USA, The Bachelor, uh, you know, fucking Madagascar, <laughs> like all these places that you're like, what? <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty funny, but like, it's kind of, it's do you, crazy do you think to these think relationship too. shows where, because I'm, sh I'm sure that when, when I was a, a, a young man, we had... The, what was that Cilla Black show, uh, the dating one? Blind Date, right? Oh, Blind Date, yeah. And I'm sure that's still around it's in some still form. It's so, still in some form, And yeah. then that was it. There, there might have been like the, what was, there was an old game show called The Newlywed Game. Yeah. Where they would say, your husband asks for anal sex. What is your response? <laughs> you know, and they sort of gave some, some, some uh, twee answer, or sometimes they just said... Uh, you know, some something really smutty. Uh, but there weren't shows about like people meeting in that way. Yeah. And I, it's so strange now that these relationship shows, yeah, they're fucking everywhere. Like love at first sight or whatever. There's also there's, there's yeah, a first love at first dates. sight. There's there's, there's a first dates first one where dates. they, they film people having first a date. dates. There's like yeah, there's like a, a restaurant right that they go to yeah, and they yeah. just do all the filming there. And then they you've have, got like um, married at first sight. You've got the Bachelor. Naked love Attraction. Is have you seen Naked Attraction? Naked Attraction. All of these. Yeah. So when did that shift come? Where now we just want to see relationships do you think it's because it's harder to meet people so we're doing it vicariously 
or because we like laughing at other people's dreadful I mean, there should be one where you just see people going on Tinder dates. I think the, the first one that I remember, that. Re, like really sort of reality show, was probably like Survivor in in um, in North America. I never watched that. And I never then, ever watched that. Uh, I don't know if it. I, I don't know if it became popular over here or not. I because I I think like it, the UK is funny, right? Like it exports a lot of formats, but it doesn't import a lot of formats. Like they're usually quite Ooh, good. I don't know at, if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I, I'd say it exports far more than it imports. Like, I think we do we do export quite a lot, but I I think a lot of the stuff that we think is is original yeah. is actually an imported format. I mean, like the Mars Singer for is a prime example. Sure, that's yeah, quite a popular that, show. that's the, a Korean show. There's plenty of shows that uh, that start here and then make make their way, or, or like I know like the BBC sells a lot of formats like to America. I don't even Canada. know if The Apprentice uh, is an original. No, I think show. The Apprentice. I think The Apprentice was originally devised in uh, in the US as well. I think that's one like one of the few that's come over from from the US specifically. So that was the American original with with old fucking with donald trump face yeah. himself yeah and then and then that, like for, who wants that to be a millionaire was was uh who wants to be a millionaire was uh what was is it that, endemol yeah it was uk yeah so that was their <laughs> big one i think because that went everywhere i'm pretty sure big brother was uh was uk as well i think or maybe it was actually no it was uh it was it was oh, in uh, netherlands sorry. right that was the first First Big Brother was made in 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 the yeah, Netherlands, that was and it was yeah, yeah, Endemol was as well. Yeah, that was Endemol. I yeah. think they might be a Dutch company. Endemol make Some a ton of, of shit, by the way. Like they like pointless. They make like oh, fucking. Yeah. Um, it's just they've just got a, like most of the TV a game crew shows. Of mindless. Yeah, yeah. Idiots just so coming Endemol up with BB dumb stuff for dumb Dutch people. Based company. Yeah. Uh, and then they were merged into Endemol Shine Group, a joint venture yeah. between Disney and someone else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So now it's just it's a name, huge. name only. But, but I think these the, are their shows. Like, these are their franchises. Strictly Brother, Come Dancing, no like uh, Factory, The Voice, like, all these shows, like uh, Dragons Den. I'm pretty sure all of these like uh, formats and concepts are like exported. Dude, dude, listen to these shows that they came up with: Big Brother, Deal or No Deal, Fear Factory, Wipeout, The Money Drop. Your face sounds familiar. Which <laughs> I've never heard of. What the hell is your face sounds yeah. familiar? That's a Spanish interactive reality television franchise. Where celebrity contestants impersonate singers, um, and that's very similar to the Dutch TV series Sound Mix Show, which was first used in Spain, apparently. No, so, nice. What on earth? God, this it's is like this the is singer. this is everywhere. Yeah, there's a there's an Angolan version of this show. I know they they did like the formats just go out to all these other countries and they just make their own version. But then you can watch all of those versions on Netflix. Like if you've exhausted your yeah. supply of local ones, you could just go out and watch all the other ones too. And some of them are pretty good. Like like Married at First Sight, I don't even watch the UK one. I only watch the Australian one because it's so <sighs> right, juicy. Right. This is such channel surfing crap. So there's this thing, right, called MyRetroTVs.com, right, which I can link to you now. Basically, it's like this website where you can just type in a, like any year so like 77 like you can get to like 77 and it'll bring up like a tv and it'll just play um seven tv shows and music and movies and commercials shit that came and out stuff. in that yeah. year commercials yeah and like shopping channels and all this crap and you could just channel hop your way through that era um and it's so fucking weird i was playing with it yesterday and it's just like it's you could just you know, enjoy this this bygone era of crap. And even like <laughs> 20 years ago, like even like the 2000s TV, it's fucking 
dated. It's not a oh, early two thousands was jivey as fuck, man. Like if you look back and you see like. I was watching, I think it was Mariah Carey at the BBC. Like they did, you know, they do this every once in a while. Like some big, you know, performer, whatever, gets like a, you know, hour and a half slot where they show all of the top of the pops appearances, all of like the big collabs, all their big number ones, the videos and everything. And she did that Phil Collins song um, with, I think it was like Boyzone or Westlife or something in like 2001. Man, it just like the clothes, everything were so bad, like worse than the 90s, like like far worse than the 90s. Like you look back to the 80s and 90s and you look at the fashion and the clothing and stuff. It's pretty bad. But early 2000s was the worst. Like, I, I don't know what the hell people were thinking. It, it's just awful. Like, I, I can't even explain some of the decisions. The fa- <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm not a big fashion person. Like, I know I just wear shorts every day and stuff, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like that's just tried, tested and true, you know? Like, I, like you're, you're always just going to kind of look like shit, but these people were making some sort of effort and still just looked like shit, you know? Like, it's crazy. I don't know. Like, lots of fucking chains and like frosted tip hairdos and like, oh, man, it was just... It's depressing, kind of, looking back on some of that the stuff. The 90s looks so cheap compared to now, <laughs> yeah, honestly. When, when you look at even TV shows and movies and, the, like, the things that people were wearing, I don't remember... Uh, 90s fashion just seems to be, like, pretty hilariously... It's it's post-80s. The 80s fashion was so iconic. In the 90s, we, we didn't really know what we were doing. We hadn't found a... A vibe yet, I guess. I mean, a lot it of it was a lot of colorful like, yeah. stuff. Though, yeah, there was. Wasn't it? It, it was, was like colorful, colorful, yeah, yeah. colorful Very shapes. Very early nineties. And... There was like a lot of like uh, like like the dance scene was developing a lot more. Right, that was a techno. Big part of it, yeah. So you had like neon and stuff. Lots of neons, yeah. but I don't know if you remember those. They were button-up shirts that were like checkered, but big checkers. So like, oh yeah, like lumberjack shirts was a big thing. Like that style. Well, like yeah, with- like going into like grunge and stuff, plaid. But like, I'm talking about like big checkered shirts. Like you have like two black squares and two white squares oh, yeah. on the front of a buttoned-up shirt. You know what you I mean? You know what? That's very... Saved by the Bell is yes. the 90s. Yeah, sort of that was very <laughs> much... It was just wore. coming out of the coming out of the 80s going into the 90s, and I remember those being all the rage, right? You'd wear, yeah. you'd wear that, and you would go to, like a discotheque and go go dancing or whatever like yeah shall we go dancing at the discotheque i have my uh big chick but then if and it felt a mustache. like the 90s started like that and then became very very grimy like or at least for yeah. me anyway because I, I i listened to like a lot of grunge and, and metal and then transitioned into listening to a lot of hip-hop from the 90s and like fashion right. was a huge thing for hip hop in the nineties, I'm sure it still it is huge coats. Yeah, big pants, big coats, like Timberlands, like like Tommy Hilfiger, like all all like the big the big brands, right? That everybody yeah. was was wearing. So it was like I don't know. I mean, yeah, you look back and it it probably feels a bit jivey now, but at the time it was pretty cool. Like and you it did you feel were cool at the time. You that's were the, aware. That's pretty much the way it is, though. Yeah, I suppose. But I mean, now I I like I I. I I think I spoke about this the other week about the the bland colors available, especially to men. Um, it's black, blue, brown, yeah. gray. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> There's very little variation. I I tweeted. A, I went to a clothes shop. I was looking for some t-shirts and shirts and things, and those were the colors on offer. Mm-hmm. Various hues of those four colors. 
Not even like primary colors we could get interested, like nothing, just bland. It's like we're trying to camouflage ourselves from the world. And I, I really hope that there is a move towards color in men's clothing. I'm not, I can't speak about women's clothing. I, Mrs. F seems to get some nice stuff. The kids wear some nice stuff. Like I, I'm genuinely jealous of the amount of color and vibrancy that there is in, in women's clothes. Yeah. Because in men's, it's fucking miserable. Genuinely. I've got a couple of red t-shirts. I got a bright yellow t-shirt. I'm wearing a green one now, I got but you try finding a green a fucking t-shirt. beautiful uh, shade of blue t-shirt, a couple of them. I got some grays Ooh. and blacks and whites, right. of, of course, but I, 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 I haven't struggled too much to find colorful in your, clothes. In your own, uh, by your own admission, you just wear shorts and any t-shirt. Yeah, like but... I'm talking about go to, a, go to a shop, especially a high street fashion shop, uh -huh. and try to find something not in those four colors. Yeah. Well, you don't want to be the fucking guy in the yes, red suit with the fucking bow tie and the no, fucking the top tie. hat. Not the bow tie. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm not just saying, like, you, you also, if you're the only beacon of color, you know, that's not going to attract other people who are colorful. You're, the problem is going to be, you'll have to look at everyone else. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to look at my own ugly face unless I see a mirror of, or, or accidentally, you know, look into a shop window or my switch turns off, you know, and I see I'm, I'm confronted by the grim reality, reality of aging. But, um, you know, I, I, it's mostly other people who I want need color This from. reminds you know me mean? of a book that I read to my kids sometimes called uh, Elmer the Elephant. Uh, he's like, uh, he's an elephant that's um, not gray like <laughs> yeah. the other ones. All the other elephants are he's gray and, and kind of boring. But yeah. Elmer is patchwork, like all the colors. Sounds the to me like one of them gay conspiracy books. They're trying to get that idea into our kids' minds and turn them gay. Yeah. Well. Anyway. So <laughs> yeah, what Elmer decides sure. to do? <laughs> this, this is interesting. I guarantee Jesus. you, someone wants that book banned. This is clearly an allegory for homosexuality. Get this book off my kids' shelf. That's such a such a Republican viewpoint, people. So Dude, that's that's mm. happening right now. Okay, but listen to this. Going through books looking for like any hint of gayness and trying to burn. Well, them. Elmer tries disgusting. to hide his gayness um, in the story, in the original story. He finds some oh. berries uh, that are gray, and he smothers himself in these berries to camouflage his patchwork or to hide his patchwork. So he becomes gray just like all the other elephants. Right. He rejoins the herd, and all the other elephants are just like sleeping and stuff, you know, they're not paying any attention or whatever. And Elmer just can't fucking contain himself, and he scares all of them. And then they wash him off and they the patchwork. And then he realizes that everybody likes him for who he is because of his personality oh. and not because of the color of his skin. And See, at that point, the lesson falls apart because telling people be comfortable in your own skin and be who you are is a great message. Yeah. But then also telling them people will accept you for that is a lie. Well, listen. They will not. I they go you one further, fight though. against arseholes the rest of your life. I'm very sorry. We can be hopeful, though. We can, it's a hopeful Just message. They go Why a step further with Elmer, because then they decide from that day forward, because he scared them and gave them all such a good, good chuckle through doing that. It was a really good prank. Um, that day, annually, is celebrated, and all of the gray elephants... Uh, dress well, up like, like a, in patchwork. A kind of a pride march kind for of that for elephant? Elmer, yeah, but then Elmer does the opposite. He dresses up like a grey elephant. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Weird. So how does that I'm not sure I understand that message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a complex thing to unpack. It yeah. is. It is at the Do end you, of the day know, a so children's book. So here's why book. I think, 
Here's why I think Republicans are so determined that that book is clearly trying to turn kids gay. I remember when my kids were younger. I'm not saying. By the way, though, we don't know if this worried. is the case. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. We just, just assume that there's some cunt in America yeah, trying just, to shut just, down Elmer the just Elephant. Just in case you think it's that making our kids all gay, <laughs> that we actually believe what we're saying. We don't. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's, it's for the just a funny of notion. This discussion, all right? So, yeah, yeah. There is a book called The Little Red Hen. It's like a children's classic. And my yeah. dad sent it to the girls. It's the only book he's ever sent them when they were younger and was like, oh, you should read this to them. It's a classic. Now, I remember this book when I was a kid. If you, you don't remember the story, here's the rundown. The Little Red, hey, red from, Hen. Okay, just to brief you, it's from 1874. Yeah, well, a lot book, of these okay. old old stories are, though. They're yeah. all old fairy tales. So the that, little is, red hen, that does mean it could be dangerous, though. No, 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 it's not, it's not racist or anything like that. <laughs> okay, thank God. Okay, don't worry. So the Little Red Hen works industriously hard and she gets all this food ready and she you know she's very industrious and hardworking and all the other lazy animals are trying to take her you know can they say can you share some of that because you've got loads and she's like no i worked really hard for all this you don't get any of it my dad loves this book because it fulfills his his libertarian idea yeah it sounds very anti-communist very it's, but it's it's like it was written pre-communism like communism yeah. did not exist just the idea of sharing was so bad that they had to write a children's book about it so the the extremely successful entrepreneurial red hen makes all this bank mm -hmm. and god forbid anybody wants to share of course all the animals that say we should really share this around so it can help other people they're just lazy and they yeah. literally are in the story. They're all just lying around going, ah, the red hen will do all the work for us. It's it's like that super conservative vision of it's what the unemployed are. It? They're because just lazy, greedy, selfish bastards who go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hen. And most of these people have inherited wealth in the first place. Like, the none of them have actually gone out and fucking loan. generated wealth themselves. Yeah, They're fucking so stupid. She had a small so loan stupid. of a thousand eggs from her yeah. father, and she managed to yeah. start a chicken farm. It's just a small loan. Why aren't you doing it, Mr. Fox? So it, it's... Like I'm like this is a, not a totally unsubtle message to prepare kids that that this is the way to do things that anybody who wants a handout is a lazy bastard. That message is a core part of conservative sort of thinking, in to my view of of that kind of social contract, if you like. So my dad sent this book over, clearly trying to indoctrinate my kids. Yeah, uh, and I I caught this because I recognised it straight to, away. To educate your children on the importance of hard work, right. personal initiative, and the fact that you're better than the rest of them, and that the and poor you people deserve share. to be poor because they're lazy. Because they're lazy. So I, yes. as soon as I unwrapped this, I called my dad. I was like, I know what you're trying to do, and he was just laughing. <laughs> he was like, straight away, he knew that I would know. He so I like, binned uh, it off straight away. Really? And I, yeah, I binned it, of course. It's quite it, funny it's because that you'd think the red hen would be something. Like a warning for children. You know, warning, this red hen is one that shares with other communists. <laughs> right. you, know, you don't want to do that. You know, they're lazy and they'll take your eggs. The stupid red hen and all the other reds try to come into our country and take it for themselves like they deserve it. Their father had owned that country for hundreds of years. And we weren't going to take it away and give it to someone who just, you know, didn't inherit it. They made people... Exactly. <laughs> it's the whole thing. Yeah. Fucking That's hell. That's it. But, uh, but so maybe they always see 
indoctrination in books because they've been doing it since the 19th century. Well, I think there's a very thin line between indoctrination and education, right? Like, you know, you've got to teach your kids about, you know, where, I mean, you could, in many ways you could say that Elmer the Elephant is indoctrinating kids to be tolerant, <laughs> right? And, right. you know, and understand that, that, that people are diverse and worth your respect regardless of the colour of their skin. In many ways you could use that, the, the, the you know, these these words are not... You know, we choose to educate our kids a certain way nowadays. I think indoctrination is obviously when is considered bad. Yeah, and I think that as the as the times change, that that line changes and changes. You know, certainly I think that even in modern times, I don't think that that a lot of people would have a little a lot of criticism with that idea, right? That what book, do you think? You know, I think a what lot do you of- think about it? Like resonates though. Like thinking about it right now, if I was read Elmer the Elephant when I was a kid. I mean, I wouldn't be sitting here right now at 41 years old looking back and thinking, yeah, there's a lesson there or whatever, you know, like my day to day life. I, I, think, applying, it all, I think it all it's goes just, in. It's got to be some sort of like, um, like you, you get read something like that and, and you can just, I don't know, in your mind, like find another way or something like I, it's kind of hard to explain. But like, I, I don't feel like specifically that book would have a huge impact. But I, don't I, guess think, it, I don't think the book would specifically, yeah. but I, I think what, what happens when, when kids read this stuff, for a start, it all goes in. Yeah, and absolutely. That, that, and, that it's, and it's all in of... their subconscious. Sure, they don't understand the, the heavy-handed metaphor that, you know, yeah. right. is to represent, you know, people who are, you know, have a different skin colour and aren't being, you know, treated properly today. Um, but, I, I, but I think that it does... It, yeah, it all it all stacks up, you know. It but, all, but honestly, I I think more than just it going in, I think in a way it primes their brain. Then when they have an interaction in real life that sort of solidifies this view yeah. or counters this view or whatever, that it's it's all just it, like until you've had a real life experience, I don't think that reading a book as a kid is going to genuinely change. Um, who you are? No, um, I, I think that, but it might help to inform um, and shape how you view a real life experience. Absolutely, and that turns into a and personality, e- even from a very a simple way. Like you know, they're different to me. That's okay. You know, it's not they're different to me. We should expel them from the country. But I don't you know, think we like, should I, I kill mean, them. Do kids really even? Th- think that way though? Like maybe I'm well, just but, being naive here, but I no, I, I can't I imagine necessarily... that kids have preloaded that much uh hatred in them you know well, what i mean you'd be like surprised it's... no they how... don't they but, don't but you'd be surprised how much culture and education and things that we've got like if i was a priest god forbid right now um <laughs> and i was <laughs> teaching very podcast very and I was, different podcast. and i was teaching you know people or kids um lines from the bible and i didn't know the i i, I think i'd be constantly confronted by messages that are wrong or out of date or just just like completely counter to what we consider modern you know mm-hmm. and i think i would have to be constantly being like oh god i don't really even want to teach people so much <laughs> i'd have to be so selective over which passages i t- taught people right I, I you know i think i think that our, i think and the problem is, is that these cultural things these stories these these books that your parents read, they give them to their kids, they give them to their grandkids, they still teach them. And these messages still get through, right? Because yeah. because those people didn't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that, or they didn't quite understand what they were doing, or they didn't understand that these metaphors can lead to more problems. I think this is a classic thing where 
you could see that you know these these the, the diversity is still problematic in society because you ask I remember this from a while ago but yeah you ask sort of little little kids you know which of the dolls is the good doll and which of the dolls is the bad doll yeah. and they'll point to the black doll as being the bad doll because we still perceive that there's something you know something naughty or bad about about you know it, it, there's still this this cultural insensitivity that's built in and, and scared and people are scared of of people who are different right yeah. because you know the minority minority people are always going to be um to be feared and i don't know whether it's in our genetics but we do have to fight it and and, and it's ways like you know small ways like these sort of books i guess that that help do that from an early age it, yeah you're right because i think it primes do you guys remember being be... read to as a as a child? Like I don't really a couple of times. I don't really Only remember times. being read to all that much at all. Like I remember being read to at school, like um, like like at a very young age. But I don't remember having regular like bedtime stories and stuff as a kid. I, I don't I don't remember being read to at school. But there are a few books. Uh, there's one called Dogger, which was about a kid that he lived in North London <laughs> and he. He lost his toy dog. Right. Again, this would and not be okay no. today. <laughs> what? Dogger? Dogger. <laughs> That's the name of the dog. Oh, you mean like dogging? <laughs> yeah. Right, but I don't think anybody would call themselves a dogger. <laughs> well, like, maybe. You never know. I don't think the they would. What are you going to call yourself? A doggy? Someone who is dog? <laughs> one who is dog? I don't know. But either way, it's called Dogger is the name of the book. And the, the kid loses his, his toy dog and he sees it uh for sale at a jumble sale right. and another girl buys it and he's in tears and she wants to keep it and they manage to find something else to give her in trade to get dogger back and he's very happy i loved this book as a kid and i i distinctly remember my mum reading me those right and richard scary books yeah i had um, richard scary books but i don't remember anybody reading them to me like i, I remember my mum reading them to me and we would always look for certain characters uh the gold bug who would appear on every page he was like a little gold bug yeah who would be driving something and the worm whose name i've forgotten um but i i remember all of these characters and just i i remember particular pages that oddly enough, one of the books I remember, my parents are, are both atheists, was Noah's Ark, the book. And I loved <laughs> I it because it's it had a nice animals story, in it. It is, it had all these yeah. animals. And you like there was this one page where you'd open up like the double spread in the middle, and you could see the ark with all the animals on. And I would be on that page for like five minutes, just looking at all yeah. the animals and pointing them out. Oh, and for to, kids, I, that I, I shit is, is that. great, right? But yeah. it's weird because I do all this shit with my kids. I read them every day, like every night, like without fail. We read books to them before they go to bed, or we play like a board game, or there, there's something like we we do something. But I don't remember having any of that like growing up. Like me, we or watch my some brother. telly. Yeah, That's we watch. TV basically until we fell asleep. It felt like. Right. I don't know if like <laughs> I don't know if that's the same for anybody I mean, else. I, I remember the Muppet Show was and um, you know was what I watched when yeah. that was on. Yeah. That was I got to stay up extra late to watch that. Um, yeah. Oh, can I can I just say I found something really funny. This is to give you this is a little more red hen just very quickly. There have been some revisions and different versions of uh, the red hen. So politically themed versions of the story include. 
a conservative version, ultra-conservative version, I'd say, based on a 1976 monologue from Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Okay. This version features a farmer who claims that the hen is being unfair by refusing to share the bread and forces her to do so, removing the hen's incentive to work and causing poverty to befall the farm. <laughs> no, That's my incredible. God, man. Yeah. Another version... That just, that just assumes that, you know... <laughs> that, that that's how it works. She, um, it, also, it assumes that there is but one worker, and they're the industrious red hen, and everyone else is just a lazy bastard. That's Ronald Reagan's version. Is if you tax people, you remove their incentive to work. What fuck off? Another version satirizes <laughs> capitalism by depicting the hen promising the animals slices of bread if they make it, but keeping the largest slice for herself despite not doing any work. <laughs> I like that one. That's and a version more by, like it. Right, and a version by Malvina Reynolds adapts the story into a pro-work socialist anthem as the hen retains the fruits of her labor, saying, and that's why they called her Red. So you're right, they made a version oh my God. where the little red hen is like the little communist hen. Uh, that's, that's just hilarious. But see, that's, yeah. that's the thing. It is clearly, there's a hidden message in the little I like I like the capitalist version where, you yeah. know, she becomes the, the sort of the, the, the overlord <laughs> yeah. of the farm. Factory, yeah. Gets the biggest slice of the pie. <laughs> Keeps all the and, other and, animals and in and a And still slum. ends up doing nothing, right? <laughs> so it, ultimately, she is the lazy one who gets the most. And all her chicks inherit the uh, bread-making factory and, and keep the other and animals And they can in, be lazy cunts the their whole life. Oh, my God. Yeah, God, man. Just do cocaine in the penthouse while all the zooming all the around on, in are... their uh, sports cars, running over the other animals, and then the the farmer, aka the system, lets them off because they're rich. That would That's be right. a good version of the red. That would be great. Let's write that down. Oh. So what what do you think makes a good like children's book? Like apart from like a, I, I feel like I feel like any messages that go in there. I feel like should be. I think uh, it's, the, a lot of them just rely on on repeat formulas, right? Like, um, what age are we talking here? Very I mean, like, in a sense, kids? like I, I don't really want any politics in in children's books. In a sense, yeah. right? I don't feel yeah, like yeah. we should have like, any we, of these controversial read, uh, things, right? My, it should just be fun stuff. My kids right? really like Mister Men books, which yes. now have become a little bit. Pete, like there, there's some yeah, discussion about correct, how they're a little bit like problematic at times or whatever. But I can imagine, Mister Tickle, Miss, Jesus, Mister Men books follow the same formula more or less, right? And it's just like a, it's like a way, it's like a way to teach people how to behave nicely or whatever, right? Because like there's always, I, I'd say for the most part, um. I'd say seven times out of ten in a Mr. Men book, one of the characters, the lead characters, the Mr. Men or the little little miss, it will meet some sort of fairy or goblin or something in their garden. Um, <laughs> and then be, after misbehaving, and then the fairy or goblin or whatever will do something to them to punish them for misbehaving and say to them, next time you misbehave, this is going to happen to you again, uh, basically until you start behaving properly, right? So like, right. so like, so do you think the Mr. Men books are about conformity? Uh, I guess so, any, yeah. Ma many like, of the Mr. Men are actually deformed. Like they, they've got serious problems. For example, <laughs> and Mr. Uppity. It's very judgy. It's very judgy, the books. Mr. So like Mr. Nosy, right. he's got a big nose, very judgy. Yeah. But how can, how can he get his comeuppance? Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah. I guess just saying it's, it's impossible not to put well, some they, sort they, of they prank Mr. Nosy, yeah. right? For for right. being so nosy. He's he's being so nosy 
that he annoys everybody in the town that he lives in, right? For, from being so nosy. So all of the right. residents of the town get together. There's no goblin or fairy in this one. This is just the residents of the town getting together. They all get together to um, sort of teach him a lesson, right? So Mr. Nosy's walking down the road. He hears something in a backyard. Uh, he, he pokes his nose into the backyard and then he gets like a clothespin on his nose and it hurts. Um, but the woman has done it on purpose, right? She's made the noise on purpose so that he will be nosy. And then she could put the clothespin on his nose, um, to like startle him. And so like, and this goes on, right? He's, he's walking past like, uh, he's like the, 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 the furniture maker of the town or whatever. He hears some noise, he pokes his nose in and he gets a hammer on the nose, and this like three or four times this happens. And then in the end, he's less nosy because he knows he's going to his nose is going to get <laughs> splashed with paint or run over by a car or some shit uh, if he's too nosy. Right. And then everybody's like, hooray, we love Mr. Nosy. Like he's not being as nosy anymore. And that's it. That's the whole story. Like like Mr. Men books are like five pages long. <laughs> like they're, they're yeah, OK. Yeah. Like they're Don't you find that there whatever. is lots of text. Yeah. There is a lot of text in Mr. Men books. Yeah, like if you look pick one up and have a look. It's a, it's a lot more than a lot of modern books, which yeah. have like one sentence. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I, I'm just looking up Mr. Tickle. Yeah. And these are there. It's obviously it's in a bunch of different languages. Uh, some of them Monsieur obviously. Tickle. So it's Monsieur Chatouille in French, oh. and in Spanish it's Don Cosquillas. <laughs> I, f- oh, I feel man. like Mr. Tickle is. I I don't know. Maybe he's not the most problematic one, but I would imagine that that was certainly well, the, the message of Mr. Tickle is so Mr. A, Tickle, a dangerous one. Mr. Tickle gets owned by Little Miss Magic at one point. Uh, because Mr. Tickle is goes on a tickling rampage, tickles the whole town. Everybody gets super mad, and you know there's problems <laughs> when Mr. Happy turns up at your front door and he's Oof. not happy, right? Yeah, you oh, fucked up. So Little you, Miss you, Magic you <clears throat> teaches him a lesson. She puts a magical spell on him to shrink his arms so that he can't tickle anymore, and this oh makes Mr. God. Tickle miserable right like just no fucking wonder he cannot fucking tickle anymore <laughs> just been yeah, just yeah. been mutilated so he magic. spends a couple of pages of the book not being able to tickle and then he goes back to little miss magic's house one day and says please can i just have my tickling arms back and she says okay but you can only do one tickle a day otherwise your arms go back to being short again he says i promise and then so she makes his arms long again he leaves the house and he decides to use his one tickle of the day on Little Miss Magic, and that's how the the book ends. <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> this is not a good message. <laughs> In German, he's unser Herr Kille Kille. I don't know if Kille Kille is how you killy say killy. tickle in German, but it's also in Swedish and Danish. In, in Sweden, it's Guben Kilikil. I don't know if they go Kilikil, right. kili. that's how you do But tickling. listen, this is fascinating. Another thing that Mr. Men books love to do, another format that they rely on is if it's not bad behavior, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an incompatibility or inability to work. That's another very popular theme in Mr. Men. <laughs> right. So like Mr. Uh, Mr. Greedy gets a job at the supermarket, but then he gets fired because he can't stop eating everything. And then Mr. Greedy gets a job at a restaurant and he gets fired oh. because he can't stop eating like all the food that he's serving. Right. right. Um, and this right. goes on and on and on until f- somehow. Until Ms. finally he finds a job that is L- not in, a, in the Sunshine food industry. Or, or Mr. Happy or somebody with a clue. <laughs> 
figures, hang on a second, I got the perfect job for Mr. Greedy. And he becomes like a hot dog taste tester or some shit, right? Uh, Mr. Quiet gets a job at the library. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, Why yeah. didn't he just become like a librarian little or something? Miss, or any miss, uh, other job? Little Miss Late gets a job being a, uh, a housemaid for Mr. Lazy because she's so late. Uh, she turns up at like 4 p.m., but that's when Mr. Lazy wakes up every day. So it works out. You amazing. know what I mean? But she's amazing. been fired from every other job because she can't get there on time. Like, this is another huge... That's her defining character. Yeah, this is another huge she sort turns of up format late. for Mr. Men books as well. They, oh, man. The, I, I'm not compatible with this job, but they'll find me the perfect one eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, it, it goes, there's like, there's like, Two or three possible ways for a Mr. Men or a Little Miss book to go. And those, I have I feel like I've done a really good job of outlining them as well. Well done. So, no, I think no, if you don't want to ever job. read any of those books, just know that they're only going to go one of those three ways. And you pretty much read them all. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's all it needs to be, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but man, God damn, if my kids don't fucking love them. Like even right. my 10 year old still every day we we read like we read them. He he just he loves them. Like they're just I don't know, there's something about them. They're 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 just kind of um like endearing books, you know. I get that maybe they're not super politically correct or you know, maybe they are they are not maybe some of the, at the same time some of the uh, you, can, characters. you just gotta couch it a little. It's gonna I tell think, the kids yeah. like, I think you just gotta cool. be careful. Yeah, I think. And, just don't um, tickle people unless they're cool with it. Yeah. Just scan it before you read it out, especially if it's older than, you know, twenty years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well there you go. That's uh, some top advice from Dad's there. There you go. If you uh, ever needed some top advice, you now have it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. What a brilliant podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks everybody. See you then. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bye.